quality thoughts, but they're thoughts. It inspires me to chase, you know, wisdom and things like that, which is what we're going to be talking about this evening, this godly wisdom. We looked at quite a few things in this sermon series on James, a lot of practical ways that we can practice our faith in just an open and honest way as we share the gospel with those that are searching. The question is, and Nate gave a great, excellent lesson this morning, as we have confidence in our salvation, we should then have confidence in who God is and his wisdom. And we have to ask ourselves, how then can we apply what we've learned in the book of James and do that wisely? I know lately we've been working section by section, going through the thought pattern of James. We're going to jump ahead a little bit to the end of James, James chapter 3. James chapter 3, let's read our text for this evening, verses 13 through 18. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you are bitter, have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly, spiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we read that section there, we read those verses, you can see there's this flow of logic that we need to be following. You read those verses, it can be broken down into three sections there. The first is in verse 13, that's that call, that call to wisdom, that call to meekness. And then in verses 14 through 16, James goes, but there's this emptiness that can come from following this earthly worldly wisdom. And then he contrasts that idea by saying in verses 17 through 18, but there's this benefits that we get. There's these blessings that we get when we have godly wisdom in our life. We want to be mindful that when we look at these verses, verse by verse, we're asking ourselves, where do I lack? Where should I be able to improve? What can I improve on? How can I practice what James calls this wisdom from above? But what I love about this passage is that it really speaks to who we are as God's people, to who we should be striving for as we grow in the image of Jesus. Because this passage begins, again, with this call in verse 13, saying, you know, who is wise? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them come forward and let them good conduct, is basically what they're saying, their good works just be evident, be plain so we can all see it. He's calling all of us with godly wisdom to show yourselves, present yourselves, to show yourselves to the world, not to hide or to lock yourselves in the closet. No, to come out and be honest with the world. A world that is striving for godly wisdom, that's starving for it, trying to attain it. It's corrupted by evil. It's corrupted by Satan. But it's starving for Christians to act like Christ. And when we talk about wisdom, I know it can be so boring we're like, I don't know how to apply wisdom. And there's a few reasons. One, well, we don't know how to apply wisdom. But two, well, we don't know 
if we can move past some of our sins and the things that we've done in our past and actually pursue that wisdom. We don't give ourselves enough credit. We don't think we're skilled enough to apply godly wisdom to our life. And we don't want any of those things as a barrier for us as we try to pursue what God is talking about. Instead, God calls us to meekness. And put those aside. We want meekness. Look at the powerful yet prophetic prophetic poetic, excuse me, phrase there in verse 13. Meekness of wisdom. James 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. James is saying here, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you say. You're ultimately going to show your wisdom by what you do. You can follow the wise words that we hear all the time, but we all work off the backs of wise deeds. You can possess the knowledge and all the wise words of the world, but in the end, what are you going to do about that? That's the question. And so he's saying if we're going to have wisdom, we need to be meek. We need to have the meekness of wisdom. And so what is that? In the Greek, that word meekness in The Greek says it's this mildness disposition, this gentleness of spirit. When we hear meekness, a common phrase may come to mind where you may have heard, you know, meek is not weak. And that's so true. That is true for proper meekness. Proper meekness, godly meekness, is not weakness at all. But why? Why does it feel like when I'm trying to apply meekness to my life, when I'm trying to be meek myself, it feels like I'm giving up or I'm just... Meekness is just trying to not try so hard. Why does it feel that way? Well, that type of meekness comes from the world, and that type of meekness is weak. It's passive. It is the weakness that's paired with lies. We're telling ourselves, I can't do this. God's not going to be able to help me here. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. I can't make it through this. God's not with me, and so on and so on. But we are weak in meekness when we Not just lie about ourselves, but we live by those lies. You see, godly meekness becomes a strength, and it's a strength when it's paired with honesty. Look at verse 14. There's some people that live falsely to the truth, but with meekness, the meekness of godly wisdom, I don't have to live falsely anymore. Instead, I can live honestly. You see, with meekness, I can look at someone, even the most intimidating person, and I can be honest with them. I can apologize and not feel defeated because, well, I have godly meekness. I can encourage someone and be honest with them because I'm meek in Christ. I can criticize them. I can tell them the truth. I can do that in a loving way, again, because we're meek. We can bear each other's burdens. We can weep when they weep. We can laugh when they laugh because we're meek. With God, meekness becomes a strength. God, you see, he empowers us through meekness. We can, and then those situations in life, when we approach people, use wisdom and practice the meekness of wisdom that God is talking about, that James is referring to here. Godly wisdom, well, it just causes us to naturally be weak, and be meek, not weak, to be strong. I'm going to do that a lot because dyslexia is real, so bear with me. But if you're wondering, do I serve God, right, or do I serve Satan, ask yourselves, Right, ask yourselves, do I see meekness in my life? And if you do, then yes, there's a good chance that you do possess godly wisdom. 
That's not going to happen, though, if we have earthly wisdom. That's not going to happen if we have this other force that we see in these verses here in James chapter 3 that's driving against godly wisdom, and that's pride. There's no room for godly wisdom in a heart that is prideful. And James says this. Look at James chapter 1, verse 21. He says, therefore, he says, put away all filthiness. Put away that rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Take note of that fact there. That we receive God's word. We receive the wisdom from above with meekness. The opposite of meekness and humility is pride. When you hear pride, I want to ask, what do you think of? What's your definition of pride? And then give you a worldly definition here in a second. What, What do you think of when you hear the word pride? The other day I was watching an interview of this lady. She's an author, and she was talking about pride. And while I was listening to this interview, I was noticing the conversations changed. The vocabulary has completely changed. She gave this definition of pride where she says, and I quote, Pride is a willingness to be seen, to show up and share your gifts with the world. That sounds nice. But when we read the Bible, that is a mile away from what we see God telling us that pride is. It sounds an awful lot like verse 13 when James calls out the godly and says, look, show godly wisdom to the world. Share that with the world. Share the gospel. This is where we have to be careful. Because the earthly human wisdom, it sounds good on the surface. It sounds wise. But really, it's just a disguise. You see, the implanted word that we see there on the text in James chapter 1, verse 21, for us that's in our hearts as Christians today, it cannot grow if we just stifle it or stifle our heart with just bitterness and jealousy. Those things are the fruit of pride, the fruit of human wisdom. If you're unwilling to admit that you are wrong, if you don't know something but you, and you act like you do, You put off that falseness, that lie there. Maybe you make up answers. You don't want to look silly. All those things, they come from a prideful heart. They're the surface level. But again, that is pride. And we can go on and on with that. But when we care more about our reputation, when we care more about how we are perceived in the world, it's not wisdom at all. It's not It's just earthly wisdom. And James, he breaks this down. He says, look, this is earthly wisdom. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. This is what can destroy you if you're not careful. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Notice James doesn't say that ambition itself is not is wrong. It's not. It's selfish ambition that's wrong. It's, that's when it becomes a problem. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, why and for whom are we being ambitious? Why? I was listening to The Lion King on the way, on the way here this morning. And the soundtrack where Scar is singing, you know, be prepared, right? Be prepared. And I'm listening to it, and I'm just like, wow, this is a good example of pride. This is a good example of, hey, I want to be king, right? I want to be king. 
I want to be respected. I want to be saluted. At the end of that song, he says, my teeth and ambitions are bared. Be prepared. I'd go on and make analogies throughout that entire album, but I'll save you. There's this idea of pride. There's the idea, you know, it's about me, and I can fix that, and I can share my gifts with the world based on worldly standards. You see, meekness that is weakness is brought about because I live on falsehood. I am just lying to myself. I'm living a life of lies. And not fewer things are to say hurt worse than living a life of jealousy, wanting something that someone else has, thinking that you can do better, having this selfish ambition, never being content with what we have. And eventually, not only does that lead to a life of lies, but it leads to a life that's just, it's never enough. It's close, it gets close, but it's never enough. It's just not there. It's not there. It's like being a tech fan. They win, they don't win, they just lose, 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 and they, it's, it's sad, it's laughable. But living a life of lies, my point is, it's not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling at all. It's lacking. And we don't want to live a life that's lacking. You end up looking at this person, not only wanting what they have, but then you end up wanting to eventually be them. Yes, you're ambitious, which is good, but it's for yourself. And you dream and you dream and you dream, and it never comes true because you're trying to work up to the standards that you put on yourself based on the world. When our life is not fulfilling and it's not complete, it's usually just out of order. It's in complete disorder. It's in chaos. There's emptiness there. And what people don't realize is that order helps give us meaning and structure in our life. And we worship a God who, yes, is loving and truthful, but is a God of order and longs for order. And it helps us find meaning because lies are an illusion. They make us think that everything is fine, that everything's stable. But just for a second, they really make you feel like, Everything, you've got everything, you can do anything you want, but just for a moment, and then everything else is out of control. That next moment, in the long run, lies, they never accomplish anything. You end up never going anywhere. Lies are just the opposite of progress. Progress is, if we're being honest, is something that we should all want, something that we should all strive for as we grow, to think that we can accomplish growth, we can have progress through the things of this This earth alone is false. That's not wisdom at all. We cannot accomplish anything or have progress through politics and nonprofits and charities and religion by itself without God. And that's the whole point James is trying to make here to these Christians who are suffering and being persecuted. That when you are being hunted down and you're being watched and murdered and persecuted and discriminated against, It's tempting to lie. It's tempting to say no, to put up a filter and deny your identity in Jesus, to go after selfish ambition and try to crawl your way out of persecution. But that's God says, no, that's not what this is about. Look at verse 14. What does James say this this earthly wisdom is about? He says three words. He says it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. Where else do we hear that? Look at James chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Yeah, sure, demons believe that God is one. 
But do they act out of godly wisdom? No. Everything they practice, everything they practice is evil and vile. It leads to chaos and it creates disorder. So take for a second and think about your life, right? The demons, they practice earthly wisdom. What wisdom do you practice in your life? Right? Is it order or chaos? Is it meekness or weakness? What is in your life? Is your life full of disorder? Are the lies that maybe you're living by or you're telling yourself, are they making your life easier or harder? Can you just not get a grip on anything that you're trying to do or that you want to do? What are you practicing when you're alone? Is it evil, self-seeking, self-centered? If you answer yes to any of those, then there's something else that we need. There's something more that we need. We need godly wisdom. We need wisdom from above, wisdom that comes from our Father in heaven, especially in a culture that's searching for answers, that's trying to find meaning, trying to live honest lives, a culture that filters everything, is trying to find this honesty, but it can't. It needs godly wisdom more than ever. We have to stop putting a filter on everything from the photos that we take to the stories that we tell ourselves. And once we take that filter off and we're able to look at our lives honestly, we're able to look at that mirror and see who we really are. Then we can ask, look, is there godly wisdom in my life? Because this is what it should look like. James 3 verse 17. That tells us wisdom from above, wisdom from God is first pure than peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Look at that list again and ask yourself, what do all of these qualities, what do these aspects about wisdom have in common? Right? All of them are embedded in the meekness of wisdom. We can't have these in our life. If we are not meek, if we don't practice meekness, we can't have it. We have to be humble first. Godly wisdom is, it's not for everyone. Yes, it's available for everyone, but not all are willing to be meek and unlock the blessings that God's wisdom gives us. Go down this list with me and look at how we have to be meek in order to apply these to our lives. It's the meek that are pure. They're not prideful. They don't reject God's salvation. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. We're told that we are saved by grace through faith. And it is the meek that are purified through the blood of Jesus. The meek don't hold grudges. The meek aren't bitter toward others. The meek take the initiative in being peaceable. The meek don't abuse people. They're gentle. The meek don't ignore the thoughts and the concerns of others. Instead, no, what are they? They are open to reason. The meek don't condemn people to hell. They don't judge people. The meek are full of mercy and good fruits. The meek aren't going to make distinctions and discriminate based on appearances and worldly wisdom. Instead, they're going to be impartial. The meek aren't living lives based on lies. They're honest and sincere because they're living for Jesus. They're living for the truth. Meekness is not this lack of effort as the world would like us to think, as many people mistake meekness to be, that it's for the unambitious, it's for those who just don't want to do anything. That's not it at all. No, 
And that's simply not true when you look at the lives of those who have been affected by people who practice meekness. Meekness is our effort extended from humility. Meekness is our effort trying to be more like Jesus. Meekness is completely ambitious for God and the eternal good of all people. And Jesus makes this very application at the end of his wisdom-packed sermon, his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. Look over there with me in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, that tells us. This is after he's given us so much wisdom, he ends with this thought. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine, And does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You have to remember he says this after he speaks some of the wisest words in human history. Treat others as you would want to be treated. Don't judge, or your father will judge as you judge. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own troubles. Store up treasure in heaven. Pray, may God's will be done. Give to the needy. Make peace with your brothers and sisters. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. And then he reassures us by saying that godly wisdom is something that we can stand on. It's a rock. And we can hear it all day long. But if we don't do that, in verse 26, if we don't do it, it says we're foolish. It says in verse 24 that we need to not only hear but do. And if we don't act on that wisdom... That, it's not wisdom at all. It's no longer wisdom. It's just a good idea. We need action. And this leads us to our application, something that you can take with you in James 3, verse 18, that tells us a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who what? Who make peace. We should want to live our lives so that we can look back and see a field ready for harvest. We should be able to see a field of relationships and connections and experiences and skills and talents and investments and so on as righteousness, righteous seeds sown in our life because we decided to pursue God, because we decided to make an effort in making peace. Now I can look back in my life and I can say, yes, my life, my, my field is ready to be harvested, the harvest of righteousness. I have something to live for. My life isn't just in chaos and disorder because I sowed with godly wisdom. Jesus powerfully said in Matthew 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We are God's children. We're learning from him. We're following his example. Just as a child today follows in their parents' footsteps, we are following our Savior. We're following Jesus. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and read with me this passage as we close. It really sums up what we've been talking about. Notice the ideas that we've looked at in James come out in this passage. 
James chapter 1, look at verses 18 through 31. James chapter, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling. What James say, all those who are wise and understanding come out. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble birth. But God chose, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world based on what? That worldly wisdom, that even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast, have that pride in the presence of God. And because of him, you are are in Christ Jesus, and because of us, wisdom from God. Christ is wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, and this is our pride, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Where is your wisdom if you don't have Jesus? Where is it? What can you boast in? Is it the self-help book you forgot you read? The points that you forgot you read about? The thousands of YouTube videos you don't remember? Is it the bill that Congress passed that's, yes, here today based on worldly wisdom, but gone tomorrow? Where is your wisdom? Relying, we cannot rely on the content of the world. What is, again, might be here right now, but could be gone forever. We need to boast in the Lord. That is what is eternal That sense of pride can begin right now. You declare your allegiance to God. And you're baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And if that is what you want this evening, then come forward now while we stand and we sing.